Hi, I'm Kevin Harrington, an original shark from the hit television show Shark Tank, and you're listening to the Underdog Podcast. I've been too high up to fall, question marks, what's up with y'all? All we know is over time, barking like some underdogs. Underdogs, underdogs, underdogs. All we know is over time, barking like some underdogs. Underdogs, underdogs. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Underdog Podcast. Today, I have an incredible guest here with me. Arlene, how are you, my friend? I am doing great. All is good. I love that. I love that. I love when the sun is shining. I'll take all of it. Every day. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> it's such a pleasure to have you on this podcast, Arlene. I'm so excited to get your backdrop. I mean, like, I always love meeting women in real estate. There's just something about them. They're just total badasses and are total incredible human beings. And I always love starting with this question because it's almost like the first bookmark as to to get us into your story. So my question for you, Arlene, is what inspired you on your journey to where you are today? Well, it started pretty early. I actually just shared this story with a group of high school students that I spoke to yesterday. But one of the main things is I grew up in a family of 10 kids. And so you can imagine how tough it might have been for my mom and dad to kind of manage all the finances. And my mom was a super saver. I don't know how she did it. My dad worked construction, so not a big salary, but somehow we were all clothed and fed and lots of love. And the one thing that both parents instilled in us was your way up is education. Mm -hmm. And so that was, I mean, literally report card day, we stood in front of my dad and we by age and showed him report cards and you didn't want to be the one that dad said, do you think you can do better? So we worked really, really hard. And at a pretty young age in high school, I realized that my path to college involved scholarships. I have three older brothers who also uh, were planning or were already in college. And so I needed to find a way to help my parents pay for that. So I did. But really, you know, when I chose my career, my initial career, it was banking. And it was because of watching my mom save, save, save. And then there would be that emergency or construction jobs became scarce during winter or what have you. And so she would dip into the savings account. And then I would watch her save even harder to get that savings account back up. And in my mind, I kept thinking, there's got to be a better way. And so my degree in finance was really to figure out how do I learn more about money? And then how can I help others learn, learn more about money? And so I spent 20 years in banking, started out as a lender. I managed an international private banking portfolio at the age of 23, which was given to me primarily because I could speak, read, and write Spanish. And a lot of the clients were, you know, South American and Central South America. So that was helpful. And then the bank failed. I'm hearing the stories of the banks that have failed recently. And it just kind of brought back all those memories because the bank I worked for failed. And so I quickly looked at the bank that was coming in out of Ohio. And I thought, they're probably not too international. So I got to figure out what they do and how I can be a bigger part of that. So I figured out that that's when branch banking was first kicking off. 
and they were one of the pioneers. So I went to the president of the bank and I said, I want to be in that program. I want to learn how to run branch banks. And all of my trips out of the country had to be approved by him. So I knew him very well. And he said, sure, let's make it happen. So I ran banking centers. And then one of the beautiful things is the first branch that I was given to manage was in Dallas. And it was kind of a mix of affluent folks from, you know, Highland Park, which is a very wealthy part of Dallas. And then it was on a street that also kind of was gentrifying. And so I had a ton of Spanish speaking customers. So I started a radio program and also appeared nationally on some Spanish language TV shows to educate people because that's been my goal all along is how do I help other people do better with their money, grow their money. And so that was a big part of what I did. And then another bank heard about me. So they hired me to launch their first Hispanic marketing program. So didn't have a marketing degree. Let me tell you, I pulled out those old college marketing books and I was reading through them, trying to figure out, you know, how to hire an ad agency and all those fun things. And needless to say, it was, it was very, very rewarding to be able to take the education on a bigger, larger scale nationally. And then had a job in HR uh, nationally because I wanted to work from home at a time when working from home was really not the thing. So I came up with it. And then I developed a program to help others job share and work from home uh, at the bank. And I was very happy there. And then my husband had a software company, property management software, actually. And he said, came home one day and said, Hey, I had an offer to sell the business. And I thought, okay, (laughs) what do we do? And looked at the numbers and he decided to sell. So sold the business. And then he said, we moved to San Antonio where we live today. And he said, I really want to buy multifamily properties. I saw from the clients that were using my software, how well they were doing, how well these properties were doing. So he said, I really want to buy one. And I like, you know, put put on the brakes here. I don't know anything about it. And I'm very conservative by nature. And so uh, we educated ourselves really joined real estate groups and became certified through the National Apartment Association and just took a ton of courses, joined a bunch of groups. And then we bought our first one, little 24 unit here in one of the San Antonio suburbs. And I'm telling you, we did everything. I leased, I collected the rent, I did the accounting, my husband managed the rehab and the maintenance. And so added and added and added properties and brought in investors probably on our fourth deal and then opened a management company for a couple of reasons. One, we knew all the work that is involved in running these properties. But the other reason, the primary reason was we wanted to be in control of what happened on our properties every single day. So Mm -hmm. fast forward to today, we've purchased 29 properties in San Antonio, Houston, and Austin. And we have a team of 130 on the management company side. So that's how I got to today. Oh my goodness. That is absolutely amazing, Arlene. I love the vast majority of experience that you've had throughout your career. And 
really how it led you up until that point. That's amazing. That's amazing. And I love that your culture has a lot to do with that too. I love that you intertwine your identity and who you are into what you do. You know, most times, you know, when you find someone, especially a woman, right? Such a high finance position. It's almost like you almost have to conform, if you will, right? And like, I love that you went out there and you added your own flavor to what you do, you know? And then the banks kind of came to you. You didn't necessarily go to them, which I think is so powerful. Yeah, it is. And, you know, banking is very male dominated. It's changing. It has changed over the years, but so is real estate. You know, to your earlier point of when I find another woman in real estate, I gravitate because I'm like, she's just like me. There's a lot we share and a lot we can do together. And so I'm, I'm really big on that. Me too. I absolutely love that. Birds of the feather stick together. That's exactly That's right. That too. I love that. So question for you, Arlene, when you were a kid growing up, like, what was your dream? What did you want to be? You know, I actually, I went to a student government conference because I was a student body president at one point and they asked us to name our dream job. Well, I don't know that you know in high school what that dream job is. So you kind of search out there. And I said I wanted to be the governor of Texas. So that's what I originally dreamed. And now I don't know that I would do that. But but it was a nice, fun dream to have. Yeah. I mean, you were a leader pretty much. And it kind of led you into where you are now in student council and all your big positions. And then now to your own equity company, which is so, 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 so amazing. And I love that you followed from corporate into entrepreneurship. So that is something that I think that a lot of people struggle with or are maybe facing at this point in time right now. What would be some advice that kind of got you guys to buy that first deal? Because we all know, especially in real estate, there's so many people that are stuck in analysis paralysis mode. And like they, it's almost like they know what to do. They're just afraid to do it. So how did you get past that hump? Yeah, I think for me, I'm a numbers person. So getting very comfortable with the numbers was important. I needed to know that at the end of the day, there was going to be money left over that we could live on. And so I think that was the biggest thing. But I will tell people coming from the corporate world, there's two ways to do it jump in and swim or partner with somebody who already has done it. We do partnerships with folks uh, from time to time. And so we're able to kind of share and kind of take the bandaid off a little bit slower from the corporate world into entrepreneurship. And, you know, I can use my husband and I as examples. He started his first company at the age of 26 so all he knew was being an entrepreneur. And I spent 20 years in banking in the corporate world. And so decision-making happens very differently in those two environments. For him, he made a decision. He ran with it down the track. For me, I grew up in an environment where everything was by committee. You know, you had to present your idea in front of, you know, five, 10 people, even loan committee to get an approval and then you could move forward. So it's been an adjustment for me. Now, 11 years into it, I look back on it, but in the beginning it was because I wanted to, to your point, take all of that data and really study it. Well, you don't have that luxury really because 
there's a deadline for an offer on a property and you've got to be able to meet that deadline and move forward. So I always tell people, look at the cons because the pros are there. Really, they're there. But what are the cons if you don't do it? If you don't take that step, if you don't join that group that's going to educate you or partner with somebody, what's going to happen if you don't do that? Right. That's so true. And it almost takes the risk off of you a little bit as well. It does. So if you're that scared, you know, find a partner, at least for the beginning, and then shift into your own. I agree. And look for a partner who has skills different than yours, because then you each bring something different to the table. My husband and I, in the beginning, did everything. We were making all the decisions together. And so the process was slow and lots of dialogue and discussion. (laughs) So, you know, at some point, You know, I went to a coaching program that talked about your unique ability and you wrote down all the things that you could remember that you did in a week. And then you rank them by the things that you were really good at and you love to do the things that you were good at and, you know, okay, not so thrilled about it. Then the things that you really wasn't your strong suit. And from that experience, I came back, talked to my husband and I said, If you look at everything on my sheet, I really should be doing the buying. I need to be doing the acquisitions for our company. I know the lending side of it, which is the biggest part of the capital stack. I know all of this, the pieces I've interacted with the brokers. And I said, you ran a team of a hundred people before at your company. What do you think about you taking the operations side of the house? And I take the buying side of the house. And he said, I'd love that. So now we divide and conquer, which is what you should do with any partner. Figure out what you're each good at and what you love to do and then divide and conquer. Absolutely. I love that divide and conquer is also delegation as well. And also seeing who's strong at what, because as much as we all like to think we're good at everything, you know, a company requires an integrator and an operator. You know, those are the, those are the two elements, like somebody who's going to go super hard and be the face and, you know, develop those relationships and maintain and, you know, be the strategic and the visionary. But oftentimes that person cannot be the one behind the scenes, making sure all the operations and everything is in line and all of that stuff, because it's just different strengths and different weaknesses. So anyone who's familiar with the disc assessments, like it's super, super true. Like get yourself a disc assessment, see where you lie, because the best teams are an integrated version of that. Like a D, for example, is usually the visionary and the person who's leading, building the relationships. And then somebody like a C is the one on the back end that's making sure all the deals don't fall apart and all the numbers are working. And, you know, I was working on analytical. So it's so cool. Have you incorporated any of that into uh, the building of your company or? Uh, We actually have all of our top talent goes through kind of that process of the disc profile. We've done the Kobe, which is a little bit different. And then through contact in the industry, he has a different one that's really more about leadership and decision-making. So it tells you how that person wants to be led, even if, you know, they are in a leadership role and then how to give them feedback and how they lead others. So that one's a very interesting one that we do just with kind of our top level folks. And then we encourage them to use it with, you know, regional managers or other folks below them. But, and I will tell you, it's uncanny how accurate it has been. 
from the standpoint of those people that worked out and those people that did not work out. The writing was on the wall, but you know, I, I got an email from somebody the other day that said, do you want to know how to hire somebody that doesn't just look good on paper? You know, because sometimes we do, we look at that resume and we get enamored and we think, wow, they could do so much for us, but the personality type might not work. And so going through the disc and the Kobe and this other one allows us to kind of separate out those that fit into our culture uh, because culture is huge, huge, huge part of our company. Totally, totally. And I love that you've incorporated that into the systems and building and the scaling, because that was going to be my next question for you was like the building and the scaling of an organization going from 124 unit in San Antonio to now expanding the way that you have, which is incredible. And I know that these tools are definitely some skill sets on how you guys have gotten there, but definitely walk me through some of the biggest challenges and, and how you kind of overcame them. Sure. It can be life or business too, whichever one. Right. <laughs> okay. Well, you know, when we first worked together, again, we were in such a learning mode that you almost don't stop what you're doing long enough to analyze what you're doing. And then we got to property number three and we thought there's no way that two of us can do all of this. So the first person we hired was an accountant an accountant because my degree is in finance, not accounting. And if you don't have your books straight, it can create a world of misery for you. So we hired an accountant and then next we hired a regional manager because that allowed us to delegate two pieces of our worlds, right? For me, it was the numbers. And for my husband, it was the management, the you know, maintenance guys and the rehab programs and all of that. So those were our first two hires. And then what we did was we projected out and said, this year, we're going to buy three properties. So once we buy them, who do we need on staff to take, you know, pieces of that HR came next, because we knew we were going to have to hire and staff all of these properties. So we hired a human resources manager. And then as we got bigger and bigger, we added to those teams. We hired investor relations manager. We hired director of marketing because putting your name out there, as you know, is, is a big key to encouraging folks to want to look at investing with you. And so over time, we, we would take an org chart and then we would say, what would the dream look like? What would be the pieces that we would want to put on that org chart before we got to this size? And then we would revise it when we got to that size and looked at what is our next goal? What do we need to add to the? Who are the people we need to add or the positions we need to add? And that's how we got to 130 employees amazing. It's amazing because, I'm, you know, most entrepreneurs are like, ah operations, scaling and all of that. And it seems like you've had like a very organic approach as well, which is super, super amazing. Been able to expand the way that you have. It's absolutely remarkable. It's been very strategic. We call it strategic growth because we do manage in-house. We don't want to go and buy 15 assets and then we don't have the team to deliver the results because as you know, you can buy them very well 
but the real magic happens in the management of those assets and increasing the income and increasing the, you know, the value of that property. And it's, it's done by people. It's a people business. Totally. And I always say that as well. I'm like, real estate is literally a, a local business. Wherever it is, the same, whatever sandbox that you're playing in, you know, it's all relationships at the end of the day. And it's all about influence and adding value. And you just mentioned, like, you know, you add that value. Now, what would be your biggest piece of advice for any real estate investor who's listening or anyone who's looking to invest or any of that? Like, what would be the best piece of advice that you would give them on how to add value to a property? Well, I think, you know, for us, in, in terms of the way we add value to a property, we call it supercharging. Uh, we have five ways that we supercharge a property. One, you buy the right property, you know, in the right market to be able to maximize what you know is happening in that market, job growth, population growth, et cetera. And then there's amenities and the fees that come with those amenities. So when we look at a property, we say, what amenities are there? And then what can we add? Not just because we'll be able to charge more fees, but because it'll keep that resident longer there if they have what they need, if they can go to the dog park or they have a package locker so they can get their Amazon package any time of the day instead of just when the leasing office is open. And so they're, they're the management of it. I mean, that's a huge, huge part of it is making sure that income is coming in that door. And really the expense side too, when we buy a property day one, we will decrease the expenses anywhere from 15 to 17%. Just doing one simple thing, renegotiating the contracts for landscaping, for pest control, for whatever it is. And so I think those are the key things to operate a property and and make sure that the value is created for that property, along with your rehab budget. Everybody comes up with a rehab budget in the beginning, and it's designed to drive more rent, higher rent. And I hear so many times when people will spend it, they didn't spend it on the things that were going to drive the rent, right? So making sure that you've got money for those things that are not going to drive rent, that you raise that money, but then really make sure that you spend those dollars to renovate the property in the areas that are going to give you the biggest bang for your buck. That's really key to me is really it's on the management side of running the, the business. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I love that you pinpointed those five I and mean, those are Absolutely key. You know, what are some ways that we can drive that up and add a quality of life to the tenants or those who are residing in the properties to make it make it better? And from an obviously from an operational perspective too. So I love all the different integrated methods that you guys use. I love that. I love that. And now backing up a little bit for you, Arlene, who or what has motivated you or inspired you most in in your life? Well, I've got to say my mom. My dad died when uh he was 48 and she still had three kids at home and had never really worked outside of the house. She had volunteered at our church for 25 years. And so she asked the priest if he knew where she could get a job. And she worked as a church secretary because she'd given so much to the community that he said, you know, everybody, 
you know what we do. I mean, we would have people call us to ask us what time mass was going to be for a special mass because they knew my mom would know. And so just watching her, you know, she, after the speech last night that I gave to the high school students, she was with me in the car and she said, I really wished I could have gone to college. She said, I wanted to, to really do that. But she said, one, there was no money and there was no way for me to get there. So instead, she sent all 10 of her kids to college and figured out a way to do that. But she also gave us a strong faith. Money's one thing, but if you have a strong faith, you can get through anything that there is. She really made sure that we not only knew our faith, but I say the first book that impacted me was the Bible. Mm-hmm. And that's because I really feel there's a lot of guidance in there. Whatever your higher power is, you know, I think there's a lot of guidance there. And so I think that was a big one. And then, of course, Rich Dad, Poor Dad was a book that I think a lot of people read and I would recommend. It really does give you the perspective of where do you want to be, right? Which one of those quadrants do you want to be in? And it really teaches you how being an entrepreneur can really be rewarding. I absolutely love that. Thank you so much for sharing that, Arlene. I love that your mom's been such a motivating factor in your life. And then I also love how you tied in the faith side of things as well. I think, you know, I say this all the time, as I heard Tony Robbins say it, and it changed my life when I heard it, which is business is a spiritual game. Wow. Period. Yeah. And when I heard that, I was like, the most successful made sense, right? The most successful people I've ever met in my life believed in something outside of themselves. I don't care if it was a purple hat, like as long as it was something that was outside of you, something greater, they always have a very specific energy and they always have a very specific, like, like they just seem to attract whatever it is that they want in life. They seem to have these incredible companies, you know, not without struggle, of course, because we have all these lessons in our lives, but it's, it's just incredible. So when I heard you say Bible as your book, that, that tells me that in the spiritual realms, you're very connected there too. And it shows throughout your business, right? I the most successful entrepreneurs easily are the most spiritual. I was yeah, that. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that the moral values, uh, you know, that you learn through the process of deepening your faith, you carry naturally into anything you do, including business, you know, honesty, integrity, respect, all of those things are so important in our day-to-day lives and especially in business. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm, I'm totally with you on that. I'm totally with you on that. And so throughout your life experience, Arlene, what has been some of the biggest lessons and the biggest obstacles that you've, that you've faced and how have you overcome them? Well, you know, I think it's, I say it's those uh, prayers that were answered, but maybe in the wrong way or not the way you wanted them. I recall when I was in business, I'd already been in banking for a bit and I thought, I really want to go to law school and I'm in deep into my career and everything was going great, but it was one of those things I just felt I had to explore. So took the LSAT and, you know, applied to law schools and, and I got in and the first semester I was in, I had two young children. So I had somebody helping me at home while I was at school, but About two months into the, no, three months into the first semester, our son developed pneumonia and they said he, he he was going to heal, 
but it was going to take a while to do that. And I just kept thinking about, you know, we had several professors who said the trick to this school is you have to be here. So if you miss more than three times, you automatically get a 70. Doesn't matter how well you score. So at that point, I had to make a decision. Did I want to be there for my son or did I want to be in this law school? So I picked my son and it has, it was the best decision I could have made, but I went through a process almost of mourning, almost of what could have been had I made a different decision. Not that it was the decision I wanted, but what could it have been like? And then finally, I just had to say, it wasn't for you. I mean, things, you know, it wasn't for you. As Tony says, life happens for you, not to you, right? And so I just had to reflect on it. And then I picked up the phone and called the HR manager for the bank in Texas. And I said, guess what? It didn't work out for me. And that was a tough thing for me to do because I never failed at anything. And part of me deep inside said, is this a failure? And I just had to take myself out of it and said, no, it was a life learning lesson. And she hired me right away and said, I'd love to have you here. You can work from home so you can be with your son and you'll get to learn a new skill in human resources. So a big blessing coming out of something that was pretty heartbreaking for me. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much for sharing that. I mean, the, wow. That is a blessing in disguise if I've ever heard of one, right? Like you think that your world is over because this didn't work out for you. And then doors opened in such a gorgeous way for you, you know, to be able to be offered a job that was remote to be with yourself. Like that is alignment at its finest. I love that. Yeah. Love that. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. I adore that. I adore that. And I love your your business journey and your career journey as well. Like, and how this all intertwines with each other is absolutely, absolutely beautiful. And I'm sure, you know, you deal with investors and all of that for the, for your company. And I'm sure that people come to you all the time and ask you questions of like, Hey, Arlene, like what's the best way for me to make money passively? <laughs> right. You mentioned, right. right. So what were, what are some major tips that you would offer those individuals who are listening that are that are kind of like, I want to get into real estate, but I don't want to put myself at risk. And how do I make money passively? You know, all the big questions. Sure. I think one of the key things is I go back to education. It doesn't matter if you're doing it via podcast or blogs or books or, you know, listening to somebody like you who has experience. Uh, You really need to understand the fundamentals of what makes real estate work and how you make money in real estate or how whoever's running that property is going to to make money at that property. So I start with education because then at least you know what to ask. Without it, you don't know what questions to ask that person that's offering you this investment opportunity. And I also will say, ask that person about their background. Ask them about their track record. How many properties have they bought, managed, and sold? And what were the results of that? Because that will tell you a little bit about, you know, how well they have learned this business. So to me, that's a big, big one. And I mean, I've even had people ask me, you know, 
can I pull a background check on you? And I tell them I have nothing to hide, uh, but just know that 29 lenders have done that before you. <laughs> and if they were going to find something, they would have found it. But you're very welcome uh, to ask me any question you want. But, you know, I joke about that, but you really should make sure you know who you're giving your money to in an investment and yeah. what they're going to do with it, because you don't get it back. And if if it's gone, it's gone. And so ask a ton of questions, but it starts with understanding the fundamentals of real estate. I absolutely love that, Arlene. I absolutely love that. Absolutely. And, you know, this next question is one of my faves, like faves, and it could be business, personal, whatever comes to your heart. What would your older self tell your younger self based on what you know now? Not to worry about what others think. I think so many times we take actions or don't take action because we're concerned what somebody else is going to think about us. And in reality, that's external to you. Right. It's how you see yourself and it's the confidence you build within yourself that matters. And the day you stop worrying about what somebody else thinks, you will have ultimate freedom and confidence. I love that. I always say one of the most freeing things and the like then one of the number one keys to success is you just stop giving a crap about what anyone and everyone thinks. It's like everyone's so tied up and they're like, Pam, like, how are you just so like nonchalant that you literally just don't care at all whatsoever what others think? And like I learned early on that like oftentimes. When you're insecure about something or if you're worried about what somebody else is thinking, right? Oftentimes they've got so many insecurities, they're not even thinking about you, first off. So there's that, right? So no one conscious of that anyway, right? Yeah. No, you're so right. Yeah. Well, we're all so right. own stuff. And it's like, what and then number two, it's like, what do you what do you have to lose? You have one life and you have a limited time. Non-refundable minutes is what we have. I enjoy when people ask me, well, what's it like to be a woman in real estate? You know, is it harder or what have you experienced? And I tell people, it's only hard if you think about it that way. Mm -hmm. I said, the way I like to look at it are what are the things about being female that I can use to my advantage? Mm -hmm. As females, we have incredible gut instincts. And if you listen to them, they're awesome. And I think the other one is, you know, in talking to brokers, our kids both work with us now. Our, our young adult kids work with us in the business. And our daughter works on the acquisition side with me. And one day she said, mom, I would not like to be on the other side of a negotiating table from you. And I said, why? I'm so nice. She said, that's the problem. You're so nice. They don't know that you're really negotiating them down. And I said, well, <laughs> I, I really think, I said, everybody's personality is different. I said, mine is one of being direct, but there's no reason to be direct and unkind. Uh, I think you can be direct and, and say what you want to say, and they're either going to like it or they're not going to like it. Right. But you're not going to change what their thought is going to be because you were rude or forceful or what have you. I said, your personality is your personality and you know how to really reflect yourself in front of others. 
Absolutely. I love that. I love that. Well, it's like these, these things, like as women, we're like Jedis, we have this like insane intuition and our way of building relationships is so much different. No offense to men, but it's just different. Right. So like how she was, how your daughter was saying, Oh, they don't even realize that you're talking them down because you're <laughs> like so nice about it. Right. That's Jedi superpower. Utilize that to your advantage, of course. Exactly. And that's what I like to tell women is use your superpowers as a woman, as a man, or whoever, you know, everybody has superpowers, but don't think yours are any less because you were born female. They're just superpowers that you're willing to unveil. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Oh, I love that. I love that, Arlene. Oh my goodness. I'm so excited to hear like what's next in your world. Like, what are you guys working on at this point? Like 130 employees. I'm sure you've got tons of assets under management. This market's been wild. Like what's, what's happening in your world in like the next like two to three months? Well, we actually just got a two property portfolio under contract. So that's keeping us busy. We just closed a deal two weeks ago, our first Austin property. And so for us, you know, it's again, figuring out how to utilize the factors that are available in the market. Yes, the lending side maybe is a little tighter, but we've done 29 loans. We are an experienced borrower. And so we don't worry about that. Although we do get our loan sized and we get a really concrete idea of what the loan's going to look like before we even make an offer. We want to put that risk aside uh, with rising rates and have you. But I think the other thing is everybody's saying, oh, well, there's less deals. There's less trading in the market. There are less deals, but they're still good deals. And the brokers know our reputation. So that we're getting to see a lot of opportunities and we're buying that much better pricing than we saw last year. And so we really have set our goal to buy, you know, eight to 10 properties this year. And we've set our goals on our hiring needs to add that many. We just, for example, added a director of finance and accounting because with more properties means more accounts payable, more, you know, everything, financial statements, you name it. And so that's that's important for us. We're sitting at a total that we've bought about 644 million and we want to hit a billion. And our goal is to try to hit that billion in the next year to two years. And then the next goal is 5 billion, which sometimes just fathoms me. I'm just like, I never, people say, well, did you ever think you were going to be this big? I tell them, no. <laughs> I mean, it, because we were so steadily growing, you get to a point and you go, oh, wow, we're here. You know, we're here, but we're here because of people, not because my husband and I have a magic potion or whatever, um, because all the people that work with us that help take care of the residents and because of residents, we have the ability to do good in the community. That's amazing. So the billion dollar goal, oh my gosh, it, that's so exciting to hear. Ah! We're gonna have to <laughs> keep tabs on you when you get there because you're almost there. You're almost there. Not too Almost. Oh my gosh, that's amazing, Arlene. I'm so excited to see that growth and where you guys go in the future and just like ele the elevation of all that you're doing. It's incredible. It's incredible. Thank you. Yeah, and one of the new things we've also started is ground up development, which 
sounds like you know something about that, but our son is actually building, adding 48 units to an existing property that had uh, some vacant land. And so it's been so fun to watch him learn and me along with him because I had never built anything from the ground up, but his degrees in real estate finance and development. And so he's always had that engineering mind, always, even when he was little. In fact, he got the best builder award in preschool. So, so ground up development is, is new. We're working on a single family build to rent community development that's in the initial stages. And so we're going to learn what that looks like and keep learning. You know, there's other asset classes we kind of toy with. We bought a commercial building almost two years ago. That market's kind of crazy, but I keep hearing you can buy A-class office buildings for really not a lot. So uh, I, again, it comes back to just be open, but educate yourself about what it is you're getting into. Absolutely. I absolutely love that. And I mean, it seems like you guys are on this amazing journey, which is incredible, incredible. And I definitely want to let all the listeners know where to find you and your awesomeness so that they can follow along with you. Oh, thank you for doing that. Yes, you can reach me at reapequity.com. In fact, the best way is email us at invest at reap and that's r-e-e-p equity.com and i'll also share that on our website there's some great blogs there's some podcasts there's for newer investors there's a really great way to learn about what it takes to invest in real estate and how you make money i love that arlene thank you so much for your time here today you are incredibly inspiring i love the journey that you're on not just not just you but as a family unit it's it's incredible to see and i can't wait to see you hit that goal of a billion for sure it's coming thank you so much for for all those good wishes and good words i do want to stay in touch uh, i love your vibe i love your approach to life and we all need that in our lives so let's stay in touch Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Arlene. I'm so grateful for you. So that's it for today's episode of Underdog. Catch us next week, always dropping on Thursdays. And remember, if you're interested in real estate or want to learn how to create more money and magic in your life, check out meetwithpamela.com and let's chat. Sending you so, so much love. Underdogs, 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 underdogs.